0: So the five stages of grief, so something happens to you, uh, you have, you grieve it, um, and it could be a lot of different things. It could be death, it could be change of jobs, Uh, one of the craziest things that happen when you get married is you grieve your singleness. I don't mean that like as like, oh, I wish I was alone again, I just mean... Anytime there's a change in your life, whether it's you move or you change positions, even at the workplace you have, you kind of have this sense of grieving, and maybe you say, it's hard for me to believe that we live here. Um, Miranda's moving back to Nashville, um, and it's going to be fantastic for her family and for her, but there's going to be a time where she's like, it's crazy that I still live. Like you, you used to coming back on, like going home on Sundays, aren't you? And now you're just going to wake up on Monday and still be here. Like there's a, there's, and so part of you say, well, it's, it's crazy that it, this is happening. And you kind of go through some stages. Your, your brain helps you deal with it. Your, your brain helps you deal with grief or change or, and you grieve a lot of things. Things you wouldn't think you grieve, you grieve. And the, the five stages of grief are denial, which is, this isn't happening, which is, a lot of times if someone is in shock, you come in and said, this so-and-so has been in an accident, and you say, that, that can't be. You hear people say stuff like this all the time, that can't be, I just saw them Tuesday. That makes zero sense. It absolutely can be, and it doesn't matter whether or not you saw them when you saw them. But that's called denial. It's just this sense of this isn't happening or this can't be true. Uh, The second stage is called bargaining, and it's often, well, what do I need to do? Well, if someone was in a car accident, you don't need to do anything. And we'll actually say it's driving me nuts that I can't do anything. I wish I could do something, and it's just driving me crazy. That That's the transition from the second stage, bargaining, which is doing things, to the third, anger. A lot of times you're angry because you can't fix it. The fourth stage is depression. and This is the stage most of us have um, the hardest time with because if you grow up in church or if you've been in church for a long period of time, sometimes it feels as though we're the happy, happy face people. That we've got to put on a happy face. God is good. God is good. God is good. Yes. And you're just lying to yourself. Not about God being good, but you're lying to yourself about whether that you're actually feeling sorrow and that you're actually sad. And so some of us have a hard time being sad. (laughs) They're just shouting back there. On the the count of three, we'll all go, Sad, Ready? I'm just kidding. The, um... (laughs) So, I love that. That makes me happy and distracted. So we we are angry, and then we are sad. Men, a lot of times, just get stuck in bargaining and anger. Like, we just want to fix it, and then we get mad, we can't. And then we try to fix it again, and then we get mad, we can't. We try to fix it again, and we get mad, we can't. And women, women sometimes have a trouble with, they go back to try to fix it, and they get frustrated that they can't. Women don't get mad, they get frustrated. And... Does that happen in your... Okay. Uh... Are you mad? I'm not mad. I'm just a little frustrated. (laughs) I own a thesaurus too. Then you get, then you get to actually don't own a thesaurus. You get to depression, and you just you you just get sad. You're like, I don't even know why I'm sad. Maybe you're grieving something, you're not even sure what you're but that we all go through the process. And if we can get to depression, if we can kind of cry it out if we can be sad about something then we get to acceptance and acceptance isn't things are better acceptance often is i accept that things are different there is no back to normal there is just now and i think we've done this with uh with church a bit or at least particularly with christianity And if this doesn't make sense, I hope it does. It makes sense in my head. It's one of those things I've thought for a long time, and I have a hard time voicing, but I think it's important to talk about now. I think that most of the Christians I grew up with, and maybe this is true with yours, were stuck in bargaining, trying to earn our salvation. Now, hold up now. You may have said, well, we grew up Baptist. And we we believed that we didn't earn our salvation. You just never could dance ever. Like, everyone has, like, something they bargained with. Like, I, I'm, God, I'm with God, and he has saved me, obviously, but. But I live in that town where Kevin Bacon lived in Footloose. I live, you have to go to a farm and dance by yourself for hours. That's a good, footloose joke, and I don't care what you think. <laughs> if you don't remember how uncomfortable that scene is where he's just dancing in a barn by himself, it's weird. Go watch it. But all of us, no matter what tribe you grew up in in Christianity, no matter what group you. Influenced you the most. We all had these barriers. Where yes, God has redeemed us, but I've got to. I I, and if I stop doing this thing, if I start doing that thing, if I stop voting this way, then I am not this any longer. We're constantly working. On our salvation and God is, we're, it's almost like we're bargaining with a God who never asked us to bargain with him. And that often leads us, our own inner work, our own inner struggle, our own inner frustration often leads us to anger at sin. But not really at our own. At the sin of the world we lash out and we say, oh, the world is going... How, how long have people been saying this next generation is going to be the doom of the planet? The first time on record that it, that it was written down, I believe, was Aristotle. Aristotle believed that the next generation was going to just be the ruin of society. And the next generation after that, they thought that. And the next generation after that, they thought that. And we just keep, we keep saying, oh, the kids today don't have anyone to look up to. No role models to teach them how to live. Well, you're a grown-up. We talk about the world like it's acting up. The world, oh, the world is just a, uh, an awful place. And it's just, the, the morals are going down the tube. I would challenge you to go to Paul's world, go back into 0060 and go to just like a like a a, a Senate meeting just where the senators are around and they're all um, talking about what they like to do. And just go listen to that for a little bit and see how comfortable you are with that society. It's always been bad. But we for some reason we get we we are working on us and we're trying we, we we want to do the right things and we don't do this and we don't do that and we do that and we do this and I go to church on Wednesday night for the love of all that is holy. Can you people, you people need to behave, we will say. And what happens in church often is we we're very serious about our bargaining about what we have We've bargained with God. I will do a thing; therefore, you must do a thing. We'll bargain with God and be angry at the sins of others, and we just rotate through that. But the true the people who have understood grace the most, the people who who have really who really get what God has done for them, are the ones who have grieved their own sin. The people who can actually accept the grace of God instead of bargaining for the redemption of God are the people who have been depressed about their own sin. Who have felt the pain, not not the anger at the world, but the grief of our own brokenness. I am a broken individual. There's been times in my life where I've just, it's just hit me smack dab in the forehead. There have been times where people looked on to my brokenness. There are people in this world, on this planet, that I hope never see me again. I don't want to be, I don't want to come. I, They live somewhere else and I I ran into them in college and I was a horrible human being. For that day or for that week or for that month or during that time in my life, whatever it is, I don't want to go there again and I don't want to be reminded of that because the pain of that is too much to bear until I really think about it for a second and then I need to remember I need to bear it over and over again. Not haphazardly, but regularly. I need to set aside time to where I remember my sin so that I can honor my Savior. The book of Lamentations was read every year in the uh, in here, you got that? Okay, I'll, I'll handle it from here. I get kind of crazy fingers up there. The book of Lamentations was read every year on a very particular date, the ninth of the month of Ab. They would pull out the book of Lamentations if you've never read the book of Lamentations. It is hard. It's a difficult read. But the book of Lamentations isn't just a grief about something that happened to him or to to these people. It's not just them saying, "I have, I, I, God, something awful's happened." That's joke. Joke does that. Lamentations is read on the ninth of Abba because ninth of Abba is when they remember the day their people went down, their people died, their temple was destroyed. See what happened is uh, the people of Israel left God. They turned their back on God. And God continually sent them people saying, Hey, you turn back to me or destruction will fall upon you. Turn back to me or you you will not be protected. Turn back to me. And so in 722 BC, the Assyrians came in and destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. 722 B.C. And then about 140 years later in 586. No one checked that math. I just did it in my head. It's probably not right. 586. The, the Babylonians. Came in. And destroyed the temple. And. Imagine. Being told for years. That unless you change you will suffer the consequences. Unless you change, you will suffer the consequences. And then finally, suffering the consequences and having to remember, oh my goodness, I didn't change. i told this story before, but I'm, one of the biggest slaps in the face I ever got was uh, I was in a class called Italian Diction. I was a vocal music performance major at Arkansas Tech University. You know how many opera singers come out of there. And... I was in a class called Italian Diction. They, Italian Diction doesn't teach you what Italian means. It just tells you how to sing Italian words. And so they practiced the first, first day. She had us all sit down. There was just six of us in the class. We sat down on the chairs. And, they, and she said, okay, this is the letter. She held up the letter E. She didn't have one. She just sort of pointed to it on the board and said, eh. And I said, she pointed at me, Benjamin, go ahead. Repeat after me, eh. I said, eh. She said, no, 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 listen, eh, eh, no, she just kept like, like, she just get. no, you're not getting, I hated Italian diction, I was a freshman, so I just didn't go, <laughs> hated that class, I just won't show up, take the final later. I know what vowels sound like. Now, in my head, I probably, I sounded like that, but I was just fresh out of da Queen, right? So I probably, eh, eh. <laughs> just, I probably had, eh. It's such a southern twang. She was, like, oh, good night. and didn't hear it. Anyway, so it was that class that I, I, I was going to get a D in that class. One credit hour. That class. And that was that class that was going to make me lose every single one of my scholarships. It was going to drop me down below the grade point average. So I went to her and I said, hey, I am so, so sorry. But is there anything, anything I could do, anything I can do to maybe raise this to like a C or a B or A um, that will... Like, can I do some i walk around school proclaiming the beauties of A. Eh, and you, please, is there anything I can do to get my grade up? And she said, oh, yeah, yeah you could have come to class. <laughs> now, I was used to people saying, oh, Benjamin, we like you. Yes, of course. Uh, yes, here's something we can. I'm affable. There's nothing I could do. Nothing. I'm still paying on student loans because of I'm because I didn't go to that class. And Lamentations is a book of, of people sitting down for a moment and realizing the consequences of my sin are my own fault. The things that are happening To me, because of the things, we are are so quick to go, but, and point. But grieving our brokenness is the only way that we'll ever see clearly and accept freely the grace of God. Because until we grieve it, we'll constantly feel holy because we can get angry at other people's sin. And then we're trying our best to do the things that we need to do. You know, other people are trying and failing too. But you don't see they're trying, you just see they're failing. And you rarely see you're failing, you just see you're trying. But until we get to the point where we are grieving our own brokenness, We won't truly accept the grace of God. where we aren't mourning our own sin. I'll just give you a brief hint of Lamentations. And I want to start in chapter 3 for a point. Because the only positive, the only positive verse in the whole book of Lamentations is in chapter 3. Now remember I said this is orderly. Chapter one and chapter two have twenty-two verses each. The Hebrew alphabet has twenty-two letters, so every verse of chapter one and chapter two begins with. It's an acrostic of the Hebrew alphabet, so it starts with Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalit, and they the words start like that. So they're in an organized way, not just they they want to they want to sort of order. They're grieving. Chapter 3 has 66 verses. And those of you who, they go, takes three letters at a time. So, olive, 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 bait, bake, bake, gimel, 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 dalet, dalet, dalet. They work through a Hebrew letter, the alphabet, like that. There's three at a time. And in chapter 3, he orderly is lamenting like a bear lying in wait. Like a lion in hiding, he, God, dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. He drew his bow and made me the target for his arrows. Now in chapter one and chapter two, this the whole time he's been saying God ruined me and important to hear, I deserve it. He told me he would if I didn't change, I didn't change, and he did. I deserved it. My my sin has consequences. And God brings those consequences. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became the laughing stock of all my people. They mocked me in, in song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. I don't know what gall is. Didn't research it. Sounds gross. He has broken my teeth with gravel. Ow, ow. He has trampled me in the dust. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord. So all, both of those things are gone. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and gall. I remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Because of my own sin... God has come. Uh, Todd often says, sometimes you got to pray, release the kraken. Um, that's not a candy bar. That's a big fish in a big monster, sea monster, that they release in, uh, there's a movie, Pirates of the Caribbean. A movie with about 12 plots. Um and release the kraken, and all this beast would come up and just destroy a ship. Sometimes God, sometimes God needs to destroy your ship because your ship is on the wrong course. I've I've been in prison a lot, um, ministering to other prisoners, and one of the things uh, one of the things I do I'd often talk about in in prison. Is uh, that when God rescued rescued Job, not Job, Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah? Comes in and drags them where they. He didn't want to go. Lot didn't want to go. He want he, he was like, I don't want to go to that city. Take me to the cave. And lots lots confused. A lot of times, guys who fought, land themselves in prison is a blessing and act of God. Because they needed to be there because their sh- That was the releasing of the Kraken. They needed to be there so that they can get right with God. I've seen so many men and women get right with God in the confines of prison. Because they, they were at a place where they absolutely... Had to focus on the fact that they belonged there. Now I've seen in prison men. um, I've seen like guys who embezzled money, you know. And and I've seen one of the guys I knew uh, had uh, uh, driven drunk, uh, like eighteen times too many, and he was in for a long time. And I've seen those guys look at other guys and say, "At least I'm not that guy." And they're still bargaining. And getting angry. They're still bargaining and getting angry. And they're not lamenting their own sins. And they can't find acceptance of God's grace. It's just a cycle. So lamenting your own sin. What is it about you that makes you not like Jesus? Not about the world. But what is it about you That makes you not like Jesus. I think it's very important for us. To hold that guilt. To hold that reality for a while. Especially if that brokenness brings us consequences. Whether it hurts relationships in our lives. Or whether we're going to have to go tell people we're sorry when we really don't like doing that. Or whether it's forgiving somebody that I hate. Like Jesus did. What is it about you that's not like Jesus? And we've got to take a moment to grieve that. And it's only in grieving that that we can take in verse 21. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassion never fails. His compassions never fail. Or his mercies never fail, some translations say. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. When you grieve your sin, when you lament your consequences, and that's all Lamentations is. It's not a guide on how to grieve death. Lamentations is, I have sinned, and it's obvious that my sin has landed me in a place of consequences and now it's time for me to choose whether i'm going to stay angry at the people i sinned against or whether i'm going to love and love them and grieve me but when you grieve yourself what you find is new You find a God who is still there with you while you're grieving your consequences. A God whose mercies are new every morning. Good thing, right? We sing this. In dozens of songs, we sing these lyrics. And we proclaim that God's mercy, that His hope can... Hold me, that his mercies can can accommodate me, and they're regular. They're every morning. God is showing mercy on my soul for when I'm wrong. We do not get to experience that part of chapter 3 if we don't experience the other parts. We don't grieve it, we don't get to accept the grace of God unless we think we need the grace of God. And But listen, you need the grace of God, and thank God that His grace is sufficient for you. My favorite verses is in 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul says, By the grace of God, I am what I am, and His mercies were not without effect on me. I think. Too many Christians, including myself sometimes, too many Christians spend the majority of their time trying to redeem the world with Jesus instead of trying to convict themselves with the teachings and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. We listen to the radio and we watch the news and we say, oh, the world, well, the world, the world is getting worse and worse and scarier and scarier and awfuler and awfuler. And awfuler is not even a word. Preachers are using non-words. It's getting so awfuler. It's getting horrific out there. People, dogs and cats are living together. It's getting awful. when the world gets worse, guess who feels holier as the world gets, as the world descends into the depths of despair in our imagination, guess who rises above the ashes and says, oh, well, aren't I pretty good? Lord, you could use me, couldn't you? Probably need me. Tell this world how bad they are. You need to lament your You need to lament your brokenness. Lamenting the world is not going to get them anywhere. But it's only when you lament your brokenness, your sin, your consequences, that you can say, but I have hope. And then when you say, I have hope, you mean it. Because you need hope. God, forgive us for being a group of people who proclaim the grace of God without thinking we need it. God, forgive us for that. And may we lament our own brokenness, but only to find a redemption. See, what's difference between us and the writer of Lamentations is that the writer of Lamentations was right in the middle of it. He needed mercy. And we are on the other side of it. Having received mercy. The mercy and the newness of God. <laughs> that kid just walked through the door and goes. They're still preaching. <laughs> I'll hurry up. Stand and sing. We have hope in Jesus. And we, can, we have been offered this hope in Jesus. But your hope. Must come through a period of recognizing you needed hope in the first place. Recognizing you needed mercy in the first place. And that means lamenting. It means, I am broken. This is who I was is not who I want to be and I'm ashamed of it. You need to lament yourself. So that you can experience the acceptance of the grace of God. People often, when they come forward, even to be baptized, especially people who are uh, adults, they come forward to be baptized, and they are crying. I have no idea what's happening. Hey, come. Hi, Ella. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So the kids are coming back to class. (coughs) We We need that grieving time. And they come forward and they cry. And they're going to find redemption. They're coming forward to find forgiveness. They're coming forward to find redemption. They're coming forward to find Jesus. But they're weeping on the way down. They're lamenting the fact that they need it. It's a good place to be. Knowing you need the hope. Of a redeemer. Knowing you need to lament. It's these lamentations that will help us find acceptance. Help us get out of the cycle of bargaining with God. Trying to fix our own salvation. And then getting upset that other people aren't trying as hard as we are. Lamenting your brokenness and finding hope within that. Is a much needed spiritual practice among those who follow Jesus. If you want to follow Jesus today, or maybe you're stuck in that cycle of of bargaining and anger, and you want to get out of it, and you realize, man, I am—I've been a jerk for a long time. You want to lament that today? Please, please come forward while we stand and sing.